The RTE Running Podcast with Brian O'Connell. Hello and welcome back to The Running Podcast with me, Brian O'Connell. Hope you're all well. Well, I'm in that uh, period before the marathon taper time, so for the next two weeks, pretty easy running. And it's all eyes on Sunday week running this marathon in Rotterdam. Hopefully the work is done now. Just got to kind of relax, drink lots, eat good food, get plenty of sleep, not do anything crazy over the next two weeks. I sort of miss it. <laughs> I know it sounds... Uh, I'm probably at the point now in the marathon training where... I know it's nearly at an end and I'm going to really miss the structure of it. I think I said that at the outset of this. What I like about training for a marathon is probably not so much the actual marathon itself, but I really like the 15 or 18 weeks of structure where you know what you're doing five to six days a week. Your routine is structured around it and it gives a bit of focus, I think, to your week to week. Maybe that's just me. Maybe there's something about me that lends itself to that kind of discipline, that routine. But I I really like that. And that's what I will really miss in two weeks time. So look, coming up this week, I have two coaches for you. One of them is my own coach, Tony Keller, who is the Irish Masters 800 meter record holder. And the second man is someone who's just run the Paris Marathon. uh, And that's well-known coach Evan Scully. And his achievements, I think, are all the more remarkable, given that he lives with cystic fibrosis. Uh, We spoke a little bit about that. We spoke about his training strategy on marathons, which I think might surprise some people. So we're going to hear from Evan in a little bit. But first off, given that I'm now really on the home stretch in terms of marathon prep, I wanted to talk to my own coach, Tony Kelleher, about tapering. Uh, about what benefit we get from tapering and what the best strategy is over the coming weeks. And this will help anybody preparing for a marathon, but even a half marathon, even a 10k, a 5k, there's an element of tapering with all of those races. We began by talking about Tony Kelleher's own running career. I suppose I was I was always immersed in running because in school, like I... I wasn't pretty, I wasn't really good at sports, but I could run, you know, so it was the only thing that I could do. So I got involved in that. So I kept it up to my late teens. And I suppose like most people, I faded out of it and went back to, I suppose, in my thirties, just to like most men approaching that age. What was it in your thirties then? Like, what was the moment when you thought I'm going to get back to this running? I mean, you have a lot of natural fitness if, if you've been involved in sports or if you've been really active. And I would be a very, very active person, but you know, the years start to advance and few pounds creeping on and you're trying to keep up with the kids and the only bit of sport I knew or the only bit of sport that I was comfortable with was running so I had I did a bit of research and started back into that. How quickly before you became competitive? Um, it took a while I suppose really I suppose I grew up with running in I suppose sprinting jumps you know hurdles all that kind of environment and I had no idea of the world of running that was out there and that, that was available to me as an adult you know, I didn't I didn't know what a road race was or, or or that so many adults were involved in road racing and And go on, tell us about your records then. You're the you're you you were the over <laughs> Um it's still there, believe it or not. I can't I can't believe it. it's still there. Um look, I, I started running like everybody else, five Ks and then ten Ks and I wanted to do the marathon and I did the marathon. And um But you didn't like the marathon, did you? Well, I 
it's it's not it wouldn't be fair to say I didn't like it I love the marathon everyone says that that I hate the marathon you know I love the marathon I think it's really really challenging events but after the marathon I like there was a sense of like I hadn't accomplished what I thought I would accomplish in the marathon so I was like there's something wrong here I said I can run fast so why can't I run a marathon well and I just started veering more towards shorter distances and discovering that I the propensity to run fast was much more within me than the propensity to, to run long yeah I had a great um, training partner and I had a great coach at the time uh, Dennis Cockland from St. Finn Bears and Frida Daverin was my coach and and we like Dennis and I wanted to break two minutes for 800 meters so that was a really that was a great target you know the way people like to break three hours for the marathon that's a huge goal but breaking two minutes for the 800 meters is a very similar goal to anybody who's you know running at on that side of the scale so you know, as I was approaching 40, I was like, God, this is going to be really difficult. So I started looking at times and then I came across the record for over 45 was 202. And I said, God, that'd be really great to chase now. And with Frida's help and with Dennis's help, um, pressure was on to get the, the record. And when I was 45 and thankfully I, I, I broke it twice that year. Where What's it like to coach me? Oh, Brian. Um <laughs> people this listening for, to this now Tony, so this is me. for the airwaves Brian you know you know I am new to coaching it and I suppose I fell into it and anybody that tells you that they know everything about running is a liar and and that's that's no matter what level you're at in the sport and every athlete that I find myself coaching now is a challenge and be that the, the athlete who does everything by the book or the athlete who never listens to you. And you might have one message to deliver to 20 athletes and you have to deliver that message in 20 different ways. You have to yeah, know it's really, it's really challenging for you because I suppose our, our group, if you like, has grown and grown and grown over the past two, three, That's four really, years. Yeah. So you are having to diversify and to tailor your programs, I'd imagine, That's to, it. That's to it, people, right? yeah. people are at, how busy their personal lives are, all of that. It's, it's really interesting role. It is it. a challenge. It is a challenge. But thankfully, Brian, that is something I do have a lot of experience with. When I was, I suppose, trying to be competitive, we're balancing careers, we're balancing families, and we're balancing stressful lives, paying mortgages, you know, you know, getting the kids out of school, collecting them. That is really challenging. And that is one thing both Aidan and I, you know, Aidan, Aidan Hartnett in the club, we're, we're I suppose we're a pretty dynamic duo. <laughs> and um, we both understand, you know, the challenges. So um, you're at the moment, we are we've two weeks to go to this marathon yeah. and you've been pretty much coaching us since the start along with Aiden. So we have our last long run. We're talking it's Saturday night. We have our last long run Sunday morning yeah. and then it's a taper. So the taper, just explain the principle behind tapering. It's such a difficult concept to explain as well, Brian, because the taper means different things to different people. But the long and the short of it is if you've put in 12, 14, 15 weeks of really, really hard training, long training, training where you've, you've, you've broken your body down in order to get it to absorb more, well, you need to take a bit of time before race day itself to build your body back up again and to really reap the rewards. So people will say you need to rest for 10 days or you need to scale it back for 10 days, two weeks, three weeks. You know, it varies. But at some point, you will have to scale things back. It's so interesting because it feels counterintuitive. It feels like okay, I'm just going to run 18 miles tomorrow. 
and yeah. then I'm going to run 10 and then there's going to be another week and then I'm going to run 26. Yeah, <laughs> How is that possible? It. You know, it's funny, isn't it? I understand this because I went through it myself. You know, the fear of, you know, the recreational runner of losing fitness from a day off is just palpable. And the more elite the athlete, the more they are at ease with taking that time to rebuild themselves, to do, to, to look after the important things like their nutrition, their sleep, their hydration, their salt intake, their, you know, their carb intake, along with the protein intake. That's what they focus on for the last two weeks of the marathon. They're still running, absolutely. But you just scale things back. You're not going to lose fitness. You're going to do yourself a favor by being primed and being ready on race day. The the idea with the taper with us then is that we'll go from 18 miles Sunday 10 miles the following Sunday and then yeah. we'll do the marathon and it'll be easy enough running between now and then. Yeah, I think I said it to you this week. We had a pretty tough session this this Tuesday night. So really your taper began there. I suppose I picked a point somewhere between 10 days and three weeks because that seems to be the norm. Three weeks is probably a little long. I think 10 days is not enough. We picked a point. I said, right, this, this Tuesday night you did a tough track session and you did it on tired legs because you ran 22 miles on the Sunday before. That was our the, the beginning of our taper. You just like we cut it back by about 20% this week. This coming week, we cut things back by 50%, and then it's just and would you have done this for 5Ks, 10Ks, 10 miles? That's the thing you see. Like people think you only taper for a marathon, but unknowns to ourselves, we always taper for a race, no matter what it is, you know. It, of course, is nowhere as extensive as, as 10 days to two weeks. But if I was running an 800-meter race, an important 800-meter race on a Sunday, you know, I would start taking it easy, you know, from midweek. For the next two weeks now, Tony, should I take up um, Pilates or... <laughs> <laughs> Don't take up anything new, Brian. That's, that's, the, that's the main thing. You do absolutely nothing new. You've probably heard the taper tantrums and you've probably experienced them. You're raring to go. You really want to see, you want to see the fruits of your labor, all the work you've put in the last number of months. And you really just want to get going. And it's just counterintuitive to you not to be out there pounding the roads, getting in those miles. You've got the miles in now or you haven't. You know, yeah. you can do damage, you know, by, by doing too much. You certainly won't do any damage by giving yourself time to taper. And I think a big thing uh, coming up to, to the race like this will be my fourth marathon is to try and relax, to try and actually enjoy it and to try Absolutely, and Brian, yeah. take that tension away from yourself. Someday you're not going to be able to run as well as you used to. So enjoy it and savor the moment, especially with a marathon. A marathon is like no other race. A marathon is a bit of a journey rather than a race. I ran four marathons, you know, one of them I was floating on air, three of them. I encountered some horrendous things along the way, you know, so so enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely support each other and enjoy it. It's great to have the group to lean on each other and and enjoy the day. It's going to be great. I think I think generally in athletics, we're great to get people off of the couch, right? We're fantastic at that. You've millions of couch to 5k programs and we are brilliant at it in Tokerisi. We have a fantastic couch to 5k group, uh, Claire Dunn and all the leaders there, they do great work. At the other end of the spectrum, I think elite athletes get good support. What we're poor at is the masses of people in between that are struggling for knowledge uh, and they're almost afraid to ask for help because 
you know, they don't, they feel that they're more, they're, they're beyond the level of getting off the couch, but they're not quite elite. And that is a huge, huge batch of people that I think we need to address. The RTE Running Podcast. And that was Tony Kelleher, who has the unenviable job of trying to coach the likes, <laughs> the likes of me. And I have to say, really, when it's a cold, rainy night in February, when he's giving his time on the track or, or a Sunday morning and, you know, for coaches like him, they're volunteers. It's just hugely impressive. It's hugely appreciated. Uh, the likes of me and, and my group, we're there getting fit. And he and the other coaches are essentially just getting cold and wet on some mornings and some evenings. Huge appreciation, I think, for anybody who sees the level of time and commitment any coach puts in. And of course, there is a huge satisfaction uh, for Tony and for, and for coaches and seeing a group improve and achieve their potential. Well, hopefully we will anyway. <laughs> Now, as I said, we have a second coach this week and he is Evan Scully. He ran in Paris in the marathon at the weekend. Evan has over 20 years experience as a coach and he was born with cystic fibrosis. It's a disease that impacts significantly on the lungs and on the digestive system. But Evan has worked with over 100 Olympians. He was going for a huge step up in terms of his marathon time in Paris last weekend. So we had a chat about how he got on and his approach to training and coaching. And he began by telling me what his target for the Paris Marathon was. The RTE Running Podcast. I, I wanted sub 250. Now, I've, I've said this before. I'm the only one who cares about uh, a minute and 49 seconds. Um, nobody else cares. And if I said to someone around 251 and they're trying to break four hours... Uh, it kind of puts it into perspective. It's all, it's all relative to the actual runner. Um, so, so the first week of December, that's when I went into marathon training. So I usually give myself about eighteen weeks for a marathon block. I think I went eight times over twenty miles. Uh, I ran seventeen miles at two forty six pace. Um, and in my head, I, I'd go on heart rate as well. So my heart rate would have, uh, would have been signaling that yeah, two forty six is possible before i realized that it was too late that i wasn't going to break 250 uh, i was at 40k um so i went off quite slow I, I i always want to negative split and that means that you have to have a huge amount of patience going into that uh, with that mindset so a negative split for people who mightn't understand is that the second half of your race is going to be faster than the first half yeah that's right yeah so my first mile was quite slow in comparison to what i wanted um and i uh, actually yes yeah, so, so i'll go back to the start of the day so the organization of paris isn't that great uh it really you can really see how dublin shines through with uh the organization and the ease of things in the morning uh there was no there was no signs to say bag drops here or start here it was kind of just like everyone running around champs Elysees looking for everything um so i ran I think it was 0.9 of a mile before I got to the start line. I just about got to the start line and then they said 10, 9, 8. I was yeah. like, Jesus Christ. It was Under very pressure. close. Yeah. So my heart rate kind of spiked. And for the first few miles, usually I'd want to be under 160 beats per minute, just slightly under, like between 155 and 160. And that would give me in and around 620 a mile, which is uh, just under four minute Ks. And I was doing like 640s, which is probably more like a 405 to 410. Uh, and my heart rate was in the 160s at that stage. 
uh, because I was I was panicking. I, I I needed to get to the start line. I was weaving in and out of everybody, so my heart rate did drop um, to where I wanted it. And then I suppose at about maybe mile twenty three, so thirty uh, k there was a hill, uh, and that kind of hit me. It wasn't a huge hill, but it was enough at thirty k to go. Oh God! And then there was another one at forty k. I I was kind of I got a bit annoyed at that stage, but. Across the line, and I was like, okay, well, that that was uh, an 18-minute PB. So my PB before that was 3.09. And it, when I'm looking back on it, and the, the kind of, the, the ego is gone, and I'm kind of looking back on, there's nothing I could have done. I couldn't have done anything else uh, differently to what I've done. The, so Paris was my third marathon. Uh, I did an unofficial marathon. I was one of those, uh, I was one of those fools who did a, a lockdown <laughs> marathon. <laughs> So my first marathon, uh, given I actually probably should have mentioned this, uh, given I have cystic fibrosis, uh, the first marathon, I got to 23 miles and I, I didn't run out of fuel. I didn't hit a wall. I ran out of salt. And for anybody who doesn't really know what CF is, it's, it's a salt regulation problem. But people know it as a lung disease, which it is. But at a cellular level, it's a salt regulation. So I don't retain any salt. Um, and my black shorts were white. My, my Navy runners were white. It was everything turned white. Uh, that This is where actually precision fuel came in, where they have really strong electrolytes. So if anybody is a heavy salt sweater, uh, you don't have to have CF for it. Um, you can tailor your uh, salt to, um, well, they can tailor it for you. So they have loads of different strengths. Uh, so I, I use that um, for this buildup. And this marathon, um, but also the new medication for CF helps as well because that controls the salt regulation. What new medication in terms of cough trio, is it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I didn't go into cramp. Uh. Yesterday was my first time doing a long run. That well, no, sorry, second time doing that distance that I haven't gone into cramp, and that's only because of cough trio. My lung function was it two weeks ago. I had my last lung function test, and it's the highest it's ever been. Now, statistically in Ireland, the, the rate of well, the life expectancy is 32 uh, and I'm 37 next month, but it's, it's going up and up. So, yeah, and that's that's down to that's down to a few things The the running that I do. But obviously, Cav Trio in the last two years, that's just completely I think it's changed my voice, actually. What have you learned from this marathon training block then, Evan? Like what what have you done anything differently? Like that is a huge PB. So is there anything differently you've done? Uh yeah, no, this this sounds mad, but I actually did a marathon five weeks ago in training. That does um sound. yeah. <laughs> and it, so when I when I talk about or or kind of rationalize it to people, um if you're training for a 10k race, you don't do 8k as your max run. So you're leaving out two variables on a marathon day. You're not doing 26.2 or 42.2 in training, and then you're not going at pace for that distance. So if I took out one variable, which is I covered the distance in training, then all I had to worry about is the pace. Because I'm two weeks out from the marathon, and in my head I'm thinking, why didn't I run a marathon last week? <laughs> <laughs> I thought uh, I was great so getting to 22 miles and still able to talk. <laughs> well, it, it is an accumulative effect as well. So there's, uh, there's a few people that I'm coaching doing either Manchester or Rotterdam as well. Uh, they've gone up to 24 Um and this is the first time I've went to 26. Uh, and I, I'm trying to, well, Sean Hare is the only one who I could, um, who I coach who is mad enough to actually go to 26. Well, when you did 26, what time did you do then? 
311. Um, what but, did you do the day after your 311 marathon and training? The day after? Nothing. And the week afterwards as well, uh, I kept the volume up, but I didn't do a session that week. Uh, and my long run the week after, that was 16 miles. Uh, and then the week after that, which would have been three weeks to go, was Bohemian Half Marathon. So I ended up, I wanted to do 16 miles at marathon pace in the day of Bohemian. So I did the Bohemian Half, but three miles beforehand. Doing the marathon in training as you did took out a huge question, took a huge question mark away from your from your training and your race prep. Yeah, uh, I think as well um, with uh, the, the pace of your long run. So I usually get people to run 10% slower than marathon pace uh, for their long runs. So the, the idea of long, slow, uh, long, slow runs or whatever people do on a Sunday and they just plod around for uh, 20, 18, 22 miles or whatever the distance is, that's not really representative to anything that you're going to do on a marathon day. Because uh, you're going to have to go much faster. So 10% for, let's say, three-hour pace. Uh, 10% is 40 seconds slower per mile. So 6.50 is to break three. If it was 6.52 is to break three hours. Uh, so you're now looking at about, let's say, 7.30 per mile for your long runs. Um, so every few, every few weeks or so, I would have went to, uh, I would have went to about 5% slower. Um, so the week before I did 26.2 in training, I did 24 miles. And if I continued doing 2.2 more miles, I would have ran 255. That gave you confidence, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah. And I, I was nearly tempted to go, oh, sure, would I just do the extra 2.2? But my heart rate that day was uh, in and around 150, uh, just under 150. I think I averaged 148. So it was still effort wise, it was still under race pace. But a person, uh, Evan, who's thinking, I might do my first marathon. How many weeks do you think they need? Say they're coming off a base where they're doing 5Ks and 10Ks, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so let's say, let's say Dublin, because uh, yeah. probably a lot of people will be doing Dublin. So uh, I usually go on an 18-week block. Um, now, that sounds extremely long, but I'm accounting for down weeks on that. And I'm accounting for, let's say, uh, there's a christening on or a wedding or you get sick or injured that you're not you're not forcing yourself or worrying yourself going, oh, I didn't get a long run in. Or, like I only have now 11 weeks left. And it, it's more of a gentle approach, but it's um, it's more sustained. It's it's not you're not trying to pile everything into a 12 week block because uh, that's that's nearly a recipe for disaster because. The amount of people that do pick up niggles and can't do their long runs or can't do a session. 18 weeks back from Dublin is the last week in June. But the, for the person doing their, their first or second marathon, how, how high in terms of their long run do you advise they go? Um, I'd probably go up to about 23, 24. Would you? Yeah. Um, at least 22 anyway. Let's say someone running for four hours, uh, for their first marathon. If you go to if you go to twenty two miles, and you have another four miles to go, that's that's just under forty minutes that they have to actually. It's in around forty minutes because it's two. Uh, it's uh four point two miles or probably four point eight miles. <laughs> um, so you're you're looking at forty minutes extra. Like imagine, imagine a run that you have that's forty minutes long. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't dismiss it. 
on a Wednesday or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of people, there's some coaches um, you'll see on Twitter saying that uh, the last 6.2 miles is sacred ground. But that also puts fear into people as well. It's like, oh, I've hit 20 miles now. I'm, I'm going to feel it even more because and it's sacred start, ground. You start tensing up, yeah. Yeah, so I think mentally to get past that 20 miles and uh, 22, 24, um, it's, it's still, it, it's beneficial mentally, but also physically. So if you think, let's say, if you don't want, if you, if you need to get that twenty four mile block out of your head, run the same amount of time that you want. So let's say four hours. So it's still four hours on your feet, and ten percent slower, which will probably give you about uh, twenty three miles anyway. It's it's harder in training, but when you come to the race day, it's going to be so much easier. Yeah, and that's what you want. You're after wrecking my head now. <laughs> well you learn from every marathon <laughs> what plan is next for you uh, I chase one rabbit at a time so I'm after um, I'm after getting that marathon out of the way and I have to think about what's coming next but I also don't go into another marathon block straight away or even close to it so if I was doing another marathon it's probably Valencia in December so for the summer if the opposite of marathon training is 5k training uh, and, and people, I, I think, kind of dismiss maybe a 5 or 10k block. But if you can open up a faster 5k door for you, it's going to be easier for you to do marathon pace uh, for that distance. Because now, let's say if your 5k PB was 7 minute mile, uh, if you can do that at 6.30, then your marathon pace that was at 8 minutes could be now 7.45 or 7.30. Yeah. So yeah. It, it translates, your 5k translates to um, your marathon. I'll, I'll go into 5k and 10k training uh, and then see what happens after that. Well, you're an amazing testament, you know, in terms of uh, the advances as well in treatment. You know, Caftrio has been a wonder drug, really, hasn't it? It's it's incredible, really. And whatever it costs that drug, it just shows that the price, you can't put a price on it. No, I think um, you're looking at probably about 140,000 per person um, that's on it this drug has taken people off transplant lists. Yeah. So the, the cost to benefit, like it's, it's going to cost way more for someone in hospital and on so much drugs, so much IVs, uh, it's going to cost way more than 140,000 per person. Yeah, it's a no brainer. Evan, thanks so much. I really appreciate your time. No problem. The RTE Running Podcast. So that was Evan Scully. And before him, we heard from Tony Kelleher. And that is about it. For this week as I said I have two weeks of very easy running ahead which I am actually looking forward to in a way people get a bit angsty when they're when they're tapering down for a marathon but my plan is to keep it nice and relaxed and not to get too caught up in data over the next two weeks you know I think you can be really sort of transfixed by your times and looking at splitting the hairs in terms of what pace per mile you should be running and obviously you have to have some bit of a focus on that but i think i'm going to try and stay as relaxed as possible uh, a couple of people got in touch over the past week with some questions which we're going to get to next week people were asking about the benefits of joining a running club um some other people were asking me about what kind of watch technology would i recommend or one would people recommend so i think we'll have a look at that next week in terms of technology and some people are asking me about heart rate monitors and which heart rate monitors would we look at so we'll have a little bit of look at so we're going to have a bit of a focus on technology next week 
um, someone in our group is looking to get his sweat analysed and that isn't something I'd heard of. I'm not hugely aware of the benefits of it or what's involved but I am going to look at that for next week as well. So listen, thank you all for, for listening. You can email me brian.o'connell at rt.ie. I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter at O'Connell Brian should you wish to drop me a line and get in touch or suggest items that we might look at in the next week or two. Thanks again for listening. Mind yourself if you're getting out on the roads running and I'll talk to you all next week. The RTE Running Podcast with Brian O'Connell. 